0: As uh, we go into the word this morning, I just want to take a moment and uh, pray one more time and pray that God speaks to us today. I believe that he's got a word for us. He's been really speaking to me and in my life over the last couple months uh, through the scriptures we're going to go through today. So I just want to pray again that God will speak to us. So pray with me. God, as we come before you, Lord... I just thank you for your word this morning, God, um, and I just thank you for the, the privilege uh, to be able to speak it, God, and to dive into it this morning, God. I thank you for the way you've been speaking to me through it, God. And I just pray today uh, for our church family, God, that you'll speak to us, God, that you'll move in our lives, God, that you would, uh, just that this word will be like that uh, double-edged sword, as Scripture says, God, that it'll pierce a right to the heart of who we are, God, that you'll work in our lives, God, no matter where we're meeting this morning, God, that you will speak to us, Lord, in your name, Amen. So as we uh, get into the scripture today, I've got a lot of stuff I want to get over, uh, get through uh, here in a little bit, but uh, God first kind of started working in my life uh, as we're going to go here in a little bit and talk about uh, a couple of weeks ago as I was at the beach with my family. And every year uh, we try to go in the fall because there's not many people. Um, and we can just kind of relax. You're just down there with a bunch of old people, so it's awesome. Nobody bothers you. And uh, the weather's good. We don't like sitting out in the hot sun all week. So we uh, went to the beach, and um, our version of vacation is being as lazy as possible. So we would always go to the beach about – we would make it down there about 10 o'clock um, – my whole family, my brother's got about 40 kids, and uh, they'd all be down there. Uh, my two kids, me and my wife, Kathy, would go. And uh, so about every morning, we'd kind of meet down there at about 10 o'clock with our family. And about the third day, we get there, we go down to the beach, and uh, I've got my kids. And if you've got kids, you know, like going to the beach is not as easy as it used to. But, but we got down there, got all our stuff, had the kids, and uh, our whole family decided we're going to take a walk, and uh, there's some dolphins down at the end of this point. We're going to go down there and check them out. So we're like, Cool. So uh, we all decide we're going to do that, and my youngest son, Knox, he's about a year and a half probably, roughly. <laughs> Don't hold me to that, but he's 18 months, give or take, a month or two. Um, but he's, uh, he's about that age, and, uh, and then my oldest, he's about to turn three next month. So we all decided to go on the beach, and my youngest, he's kind of like a little troll. We call him Gandalf, because he always has like a stick in his hand, always. He'll find a stick. You can be like in Burkdale and he's got a stick. I'm like, where in the world did you find that? But that's just how he is. So we're going down the beach. He's got a, both hands. He's got sticks, and his upper body always moves faster than his lower body, right? So he's always like a little bit ahead of himself. So He's like trekking down the beach. We've been walking for 30 seconds and he eats it. Like face full of sand in his eyes, in his mouth, because he won't let go of his sticks and his hands. So he just face plants. So he's obviously screaming his head off and going crazy, disrupting all these people trying to relax on the beach. My wife's trying to deal with him. My oldest son all of a sudden just freaks out and decides he doesn't want to be at the beach anymore and doesn't even, I don't even know that he wants to live anymore. Like, like have, I've never seen him act like this. Like, just goes berserk. I want to go to the house. I want to do this. And like, freaks out. So I'm like, what is, like we've been to the beach like 30 seconds. So we take him back to the umbrella. I'm trying to deal with my oldest son. My wife is trying to get the sand out of every part of my youngest son's face and uh, I'm trying to deal with my oldest son and I do the classic dad move of like son you know you, so you we say crap like you better act like you got some sense and crap like that that nobody knows what it means but you just say it because your dad said it and his dad said it and it's just is what it is and I'm like you know I'm gonna give you something to cry about crap like that trying to get him to calm down nothing's working my wife finally comes over she gets him calmed down Everybody's better, but now we're like, we're not going walking. This this is not a good idea. So we decide we're just going to sit here at the umbrella. So I'm getting chairs out, doing that whole deal, trying to get toys for the kids. I'm frustrated. My wife's frustrated. We're just trying to do our thing. So we finally get, we're like, like settled. Our kids are playing. Both of us sit down. I get my phone out. I'm like checking something. Somebody had sent me something. I was looking at it. You know how that you get on that rabbit hole, of like if, as soon as you open your phone, it's like 30 minutes gone immediately. That's how it is. And I should be spending time with my family, but I'm on my phone. So that's kind of where we were. So we've been on the beach about less than an hour, and that's all transpired, right? So I'm sitting there on my phone and uh, just kind of trying to just relax for a second. So my brother and his family come back, and he does actually have four kids, which seems like 40 sometimes, but uh, they come back, and my whole family comes back, and they're like, man. We saw some of the craziest stuff on the beach, right? So they're telling me all these stories like how uh, my little uh, niece found this dead fish, huge. It was like a huge dead fish. She's carrying it around. My brother's finally like, hey, you put that back in the ocean? That's disgusting. Throws it back in the ocean. Immediately a hawk comes and gets it, drags it out of the ocean. And this is no lie because 17 old people came by and verified it to me. Two bald eagles out of nowhere come, scared the hawk off, and get the fish. Like, real life, that happens, and all these old people come by. Do you guys see this show? I'm like, listen, old man, if one more person comes by and tells me that. But for real, all that happened. Then they go down, they make it to the point, and there's all these dolphins down there. They see all this wildlife, all these fish jump, and they're telling me about all this stuff that happened. And I'm sitting there like, I didn't see any of that. And I look at my oldest son like, this is your, 100% your fault. <laughs> like, this is definitely your fault. So uh, all that was going on around me, and I missed all of it, Right. And I was sitting there, and I was thinking about that as the day kind of went on. I'm like, I I love all that stuff. I love bald eagles. I love dolphins. I want to see all those things, right? And I missed all of it. And it wasn't because uh, it wasn't there. It's just because I was not paying attention to it. And God led me to the Scripture. The next morning, as I was kind of in my quiet time, I kept thinking about that. And uh, God led me to the story uh, in Scripture, and it's in uh, 2 Kings. And it's where, so to give you a little bit of backstory where we are in Scripture, are kind of related to this story, uh, Syria and the Israelites, they're at war, right? So, and every time uh, the Syrians, the, the king of Syria tries to maneuver and and to come against Israel, every time he tries to do that, basically Israel knows what's going on and they counterattack or they get away or they end up ambushing them. Something always happens. So he's obviously frustrated about that, the king of Syria. So he's telling his guys like, hey, we got to figure this out. And you can imagine they're like, you know, obviously somebody in our camp is telling what's going on. So his servant, one of the servants comes in, is like, before you start killing people, um, there's this guy, Elisha, the prophet, and he keeps telling the king of Israel what we're going to do before we do it. God tells him, and then he tells the king of Israel, and they always know what we're doing. So the king of Syria is serious, like, all right, easy fix, we'll just go get him. So they go, and they surround the city where Elisha is, and um, early one morning, his Elisha's servant comes out, and he looks in the hills, and there's this huge army, all these chariots, all this stuff that they've surrounded the city. And he's obviously like, well, they're here for us. So um, he runs back inside. He's, he's talking in exclamation points in Scripture. He's like obviously clearly excited, very upset, and tell, ask Elisha, what are we going to do? And Elisha says something that seems so strange, and especially to him, it had to seem strange. He says, do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And you can imagine the servants like looking out the window like, there's me and there's you, and there's like a thousand of them. So I don't get what's going on here. But then Elisha prays and says, God, open up the servant's eyes. Open his eyes so he can see. And the next time the servant looks out, he sees, he doesn't say anything else about the the Syrian army. He looks out in the hills and he sees uh, the army of the Lord. He says there's chariots of fire all in the hills surrounding them. And the thing that God spoke to me and has been speaking to me through this beach experience and and through this story, is that so many times I'm like this servant. Like, like, Like I'm the servant that, and we can all relate to this, I think, in so many ways. God is moving all around us, and God is moving, but all we can see is the physical. All we can see is the enemy. We don't see God moving in areas of our life around us. And just like that day on the beach, I couldn't see all this wildlife, the zoo that was going on, because I was focused on other things, we miss what God is doing and and he's moving all around us. And so many of us, I believe, can relate to that. And we know based on scripture that God is a God who moves. God is a God who speaks. God is a God who uses people. We see that in scripture. And scripture says that he's the same today, yesterday, and forever. So the God of the Bible is the same God today, right? Like, Like God moves, God speaks, God does great things. He is the God of miracles. That is who God is. And and we see this a lot of times in other people's lives that God is using, but so many times we don't see God move in our lives. So the question we have to ask ourselves really is why? If God is a God who moves and God is a God who speaks, then, then ask yourself today, if you're not seeing him move in your life, why is that? Why do we not see this active, living God move in our life and speak to us? And that's what I want to talk to you about today. And as I look in Scripture um, I, I've gone through and studied some of the New Testament here lately, and I started looking at the life of Jesus. And obviously, Jesus did incredible things on this earth, and he moved in so many ways, so many miracles, changed so many lives, opened blind eyes, all these things. But as you look through Scripture, there's so many people that seem to miss it. Like, like Jesus is moving right in front of them, but they just can't see it. They, they, they miss Jesus moving. He's here on the earth doing all these things in the physical realm, even, and they can't see it. And I want to talk about some of those reasons. And I think if we'll allow God to, I I can honestly see myself in every single one of these situations, unfortunately. But I think if we'll allow God to, he'll speak to us through some of these situations and examples. And the first one I want to look at um, is is an example of a group of people. They get a bad rap, and honestly, they kind of deserved it. Um, But I think we're very hard on them. and, and, And I think we can honestly relate to them in so many ways. And that's the Pharisees. And I think in my life, so many times, You know, I think about the Pharisees, I'm like, oh, you know, this and this and this, and so and so, they act like a Pharisee, but, like, I do too. Like, I I can relate to the Pharisees in a lot of ways. And the thing about them is, as you look in the New Testament, these were religious leaders. These were the people that were waiting on the Messiah. They knew the Messiah was going to come, that God had promised that, and they were waiting on him. But the funny thing about it is, when he gets here, they miss it. Like, Like, they reject him completely, and they were largely, in part, the reason he gets put on a cross. They hated him. So they're waiting on the Messiah, but then when he gets here, they're completely missing, right? He's moving, he's working right in front of them, and they can't, even, they can't even see all the great things he's doing for what they are because they just can't stand him so much. And the reason is when he came, when Jesus came to this earth, they thought the Messiah is going to look like us, act like us, talk like us, but when he gets here, he's completely different right? Like he's hanging out with the sinners, the tax collectors. He's at parties. He's turning water to wine, which even now some of us are like, I can't believe that. (laughs) Like wine, you know, but but that's who he was. That's what he did. He, He was not anything like what they expected. So they completely rejected him. And the thing that God spoke to me is how many times in my life is God moving? Is God working? And I don't see it. I completely miss it because it's not what I thought it should be. It's not what I expected it to be. And I think about 2020, and I think about all the things that God has done. And we're in a room right now with our staff, and they can tell you all the things we've seen God do this year. And they're all smiling and shaking their heads because they know God has moved in incredible ways. And even for me, a lot of times there's things I've missed because it doesn't look like what I thought it should look like. 2020 looks nothing. We sat down and planned 2020, and it was not this, right? It was not me standing in a room speaking to a camera. Right? That's not what we planned. But God has been moving, and so many people, I believe, have missed God moving because they think church should happen in this building, and they can't get their head around church in a home. They can't get their head around church in a barn. They can't get their head around uh, church on a back porch. They can't quite comprehend that. But God is using it in incredible ways. And so many people have missed it because it's not what they thought it should be. And so many times in our life we do this. Think about you think God can only use you if, if you're parking cars or if you're on the greeter team or if you're an usher. But what if God's like, I want to use you in your neighborhood. That's the way I want to do it. And, and maybe you're not seeing that happen because it's not the way you thought it should be. And so many times that's how we operate. And I see this so much in my life. But the thing I'm realizing and learning as I grow is as we, as we know, God's ways are not our ways. And if it's kind of weird, there's a really good chance it's God. I think about the way he moves in this church, and I'm like, that's pretty weird, but, but I'm pretty sure because it's so weird that it's God, right? Like, that's just the way it works, and again, we think God thinks and acts like us, but, but his ways are not our ways, and, and God moves a lot of times in ways that we don't understand or comprehend, and we've got to be okay with that, and, and, and we miss what God is doing because it's not what we thought it should be or what we expected. That's the first one. A lot of times, we're like the Pharisees, and we act that way. The second one, I'm going to try to move through these pretty quickly. The second one also comes in the New Testament, and I look at the life of Peter, and Pastor Jordan has talked about the life of Peter a lot over the last couple years, and uh, we see the first part of his life in Scripture. um, He kind of missed it a a lot of times, and I didn't quite get it. But in the last part of his life, we see a man of God who God used in incredible ways to preach and to teach and do all these things. Uh, but the first part of his life, uh, and there's one part of Scripture that's kind of seems extreme, but Jesus looks at him and is like, Peter, you're missing it. He says, get behind me, Satan, you're a hindrance to me. Jesus tells Peter that. And the thing about Peter that we see is, is through Scripture, he had what he thought, kind of going off the first one too, he, he had what he thought Jesus should be. And, and the thing about Peter, he thought Jesus should start this revolution and that this, this is what it should look like and that Peter could go with him and kind of be second command and all these things and that Peter had his own ambitions, right? Like he wanted Jesus to be a certain thing. He wanted him to work a certain way. And, and, and Jesus is like, no, like you're missing the mark. Get behind me, Satan. You're a hindrance to me. That's how he looked at Peter because Peter had his own plan. And I think a lot of times, and I've seen this so many times in my life, that's the way that we operate. And Terry Broome spoke a couple weeks ago and uses a scripture that I love, and I've been kind of obsessed with here lately, and it's the story of Joshua. Uh, when Joshua's about to go, uh, they're, they, they're in the promised land, they're about to take Jericho, and the, ar- the commander of the Lord's army comes to Joshua, and uh, Joshua goes out to him, and Joshua asks him, are, are you for us, or are you for our adversaries, are you for our enemy? And the commander just simply says no. And and the thing that Terry said that I love is that God is for God. But so many times we're like Joshua, we're like, God, are you, are you for me and what I want to do and our plans? And, and you can imagine Joshua and his commanders, they had thought about how to take Jericho, right? They're not, they're not just sitting around waiting. They were thinking, and, and, and you know they were processing that. He's like, are you for this, what we want to do, or are you for what our enemies and what they want to do? And that's how we are so many times in life. We want, we want God to bless us, and we want God to do things in our lives, but we want it to be inside of what we want and our plan. And we read scriptures like in Jeremiah where it says, I know the plans I have for you to declare the Lord. And we love this. We're like, man, plans to prosper you and to harm you and, and to give you a hope and a future. But the thing that we miss is God says, I, I know the plans I have for you. God, God has a plan for your life. God has a purpose for your life, but it's God's plan. But so many times we move and we do things in our life. We, we, we go our own way, we do our own thing, and then we're shocked when God doesn't come and bless it. We don't see God moving in our lives. Right? We don't see God speaking to us because we're doing our own thing. Just like Peter, we've got our agenda and we want God to come along with that and be like, oh yeah, great. What if Joshua would have been like, yeah, God, that's that's a cool plan when he says walk around the wall seven times, but we like, we got these ladders and stuff, and we were gonna maybe just like scale the walls and we got Jim over here. We could just like catapult him in and uh, stuff like that. You think God would be like, Oh yeah, yeah, that's that's a better plan than what I had. No, God's like, here's my plan. If you want to prosper, you want to take the city, get get inside of my plan. Follow my plan for your life. But so many times in our lives, we have our own plan. We go our own way. We do our own thing. We have our own ambitions, and it blinds us to what God is doing. Just like Peter, I I I think Jesus is looking at him like, Peter, you're missing the mark. I'm working right in front of you, but because you have your agenda, you're missing what I'm doing. And I look at my life, and so many times, that's me. I have my own ambition. I have what I want to do. Even in ministry, a lot of times, I have the things I want to do, and then I'm shocked when God's not moving inside of that. And God's like, that wasn't my plan. That was your plan. So so many times, because we have our own ambition, we miss what God is doing because we're focused so much on what we want. And that's number two. And the third one I'm going to go into is um, we were at the beach. Uh, First off, we were down there and, um, you know, we went through this situation where we didn't get to see the apparent zoo that was going on. I don't fully trust my brother anyway, so I'm not sure all that was happening, but some of it was true. And uh, so we missed that part the first day. So the next day, me and my wife decided it was in the evening. We're gonna go walk on the beach, you know, be romantic and all that, holding hands and you know, all that stuff. And uh, we decided we're gonna do that. So we walked down the beach. And we're, we're gonna go down there and see where all these dolphins and all this stuff was taking place. So we walked down there and it actually was awesome. Now, again, I've been at the beach all, you know, for three or four days, and the only thing I've seen is the ocean and old people walking back and forth. So I'm kind of bored anyway, which is a good vacation, in my opinion, for a little bored. So I haven't seen anything in a long time. So the dolphins, for me, I'm like, this is the best thing I've ever seen in my entire life. You would have thought I had never seen a fish in my entire life. My wife's like, calm down. You're acting like a child. So for me, it was, like, so exciting. The sun was going down. It's kind of a sunset. It was, like, the prettiest thing ever. There's dolphins jumping. There's fish. There's birds hitting the water, all this stuff. And the thing I realized was there was people walking in front of us and behind us that had headphones in. They were doing their own thing. They're having conversations. They're on their phones. And I'm like, did they not see these dolphins? I'm like, did they not see how freaking awesome this is? And Kathy's like, first off, calm down a little bit. But no, they don't see it. And uh, I'm like, but how are they missing all this stuff that's going on? And, And just simply, I was thinking about how many times do so many people in life, God is moving. And I think this is the most dangerous, honestly. Just like those dolphins that you can walk right by what God is doing, and you just don't care. And, and this is the one, even as I was studying this morning, every time I, I get to this point, I think about this, I feel like this is the most dangerous. But I think we see it honestly probably the most. And I look at, uh, you know, the American church and, and American Christianity, and I look at even what I've experienced in my life and, and even in my personal life, I think when we look at God, when we look at church and religion, all these things, we, we want just enough to get to heaven, but that's kind of it. And, and honestly, we really don't care if God moves in our life or not. And, and I think that's an incredibly dangerous place to be. But I think you have to ask yourself the question, do I really care if God seriously moves in my life? Do I really care if God speaks to me? Or, like these first two points, am I totally okay with doing my thing, going my way, and then just ending up and hopefully in heaven at the end of it? Do I, do I want more of God in my life? Do I want to see him move? Do I want to see him use me? Do I want to uh, see him speak to me? Do, do I want all these things, or do I just want enough just to get by? There's a group of people in Scripture that we see this in. We don't see them a, a ton in Scripture, uh, but actually uh, Pastor John and Terry and I were talking about this last week, the Sadducees. And um, I started thinking about them after our conversation and, and studying a little bit about them. And basically these people... Um, they were religious leaders. They were similar to the Pharisees, but also different. Um, but, but they were the people who they had all this power, political power, obviously re- religious power, all these things. They, they were in, in high places and high positions. And, and they basically, to sum it up, they didn't really believe that God moved on, on earth. It was kind of like you make your own way, you do your own thing, and that's kind of it. And Jesus even addresses this in Scripture. Uh, they come to him and uh, they're asking him about, about heaven. If, if so-and-so has this many wives and all this stuff happens, what happens in heaven? And he, he points, because he always knows the heart issue, he points to the heart of the issue. And he says that, that God is the God of the living. And it's pointing to the fact that they're worried about what's going to happen in heaven. They just want just enough of him to get to heaven. But he's like, God is the God who wants to move now. He's the, he's the God of the living. And they didn't believe or care that Jesus was moving right in front of them. And I look at so many people's lives, myself included, so often. And and again, we have to ask the question, do I really care if God moves in my life? Or, like the Sadducees, do I just not want God to disrupt what I have going on in my life, and I want just enough. I want to go to heaven. I want all that stuff. And and I'll even go to church every once in a while. But as far as God speaking to me and moving in my life, I just don't really care. I don't really care if God speaks. I don't really care if God moves. And so many of us live our life that way. And there's a scripture too that says you can have a form of godliness but deny its power. And I think it's a dangerous place to be, but I think that's where a lot of people are. And as I close, my last example, um, as I, by saying I close, I got another 10, 15 minutes. But anyway, it makes you feel better if I say I'm about to close. Um, but my last example, and this is, God put this on my heart this morning. I didn't even have this in here, but it's, uh, it's in Luke 10:38, And I want to go over there really quick, um, if I can find it. It's in Luke ten thirty eight. So Jesus is, uh, is, is toward the beginning, middle of his ministry, and he's going around preaching and teaching. And he goes uh, to this house, and it says that, um, I'm just going to read these few verses. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with, with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister... Has left me to serve alone. Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen the right thing, which will not be taken away from her. And as I look at that, we see a contrast of two people. And we see Martha, who, um, again, I can relate with in a lot of ways, is so busy. Uh, serving and doing all these things and, 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 and busyness and, and getting things ready for Jesus and doing all the things that she can. But we see Mary who just sits at the feet of Jesus. She's like, I just, I just want to hear from Jesus. I just, want, I just need him in my life. I just want to hear from him. And simply the thing that God put on my heart is that, and it says, um, Martha has chosen the right thing. As we sum all this up, the thing that God has been speaking to me, and I think he wants to speak to us this morning, is that it's a choice. And Mary chose to see Jesus move in her life. She chose to sit at his feet. She chose to hear from him, whereas Martha chose to be busy. She chose to be distracted. She chose all these other things. And today, I believe we have a choice. And I believe, based on Scripture, I'm going to go into some more Scriptures here in a minute, We have a choice whether we want to see God move in our life or not. Just like that day on the beach, you you have a choice. Do you want to see fish and dolphins and all these things, or do you want to walk right by? You have a choice. And there's so many scriptures to back this up. I'm going to read three. And uh, the first one is Colossians 3. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not earthly things. He's saying, set your heart, set your mind, focus on the things above, not on the things of earth. It's a choice. Matthew 16, 23, but he turned to Peter and said, this is the scripture we read earlier, get behind me Satan, you are a hindrance to me. Then he says, for you are not setting your mind on things of God, but the things of man. Peter, you're making a choice to look at the things of man. You're making a choice to look at your ambition. You're making a choice to look at the things around you instead of Focusing on the unseen instead of focusing on the things that are above, the things of God. You're making a choice. The last one, 2 Corinthians 4.18. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are seen are eternal. He's saying we're we're, we're choosing to do this. And just simply, you, you choose whether you want to see God work in your life. It's God doing the work. It's God doing everything. In Scripture, it's Jesus. He's the one doing the miracles. He's the one doing everything. People just made a choice. Do I want to see it or do I want to walk right past it? Do I want to see it or, or do I want to focus on something else what I want? It's a choice. You choose what you focus on. The reality is, if you're not seeing God move in your life, if you're not hearing from God, if he's not speaking to you in, in a regular way, and I'm not saying every single day you wake up, you open the Bible, and Jesus steps in the room, and he's there in person, and that's every day. I'm not saying that. There's days I, I get in the Word, and I'm like, I, I feel like I'm just hitting a wall, right? Like, I feel like I'm just not getting anything today, but then there's other days where I feel like I open the Word of God, and I read the, the heading, and God's like, here's something in your heart, right? Like, I'm not saying God's going to do that every single day, but I'm just saying if you're not hearing from God regularly, if you're not seeing him move in your life, if you don't feel like God is using you, I believe that is a choice, and Scripture shows us that's a choice. And the encouragement is if you want to see God move in your life, you can choose that too. If I want to see God work in my life and speak to me and use me, I choose that too. And I look at the people in this room that I'm with now, our staff, people that have chosen to see God move in their life, chosen to hear from God, chosen uh, for God to speak to them. Uh, the people we've heard from the last couple of weeks, uh, Pastor John and Jamie and Terry and obviously Pastor Jordan we hear from uh, on a regular basis, they are choosing to see God work in their life. They are choosing to hear from God every single morning when they wake up. There's days Jamie Green's here at 4:30 or 5 in the morning in this very room seeking God, choosing to To hear from God, choosing to have God use him, choosing uh, to step into God's plan for his life. It's a choice. And I'm going to talk about somebody else that's on our staff that the the staff are not going to expect, but my my good buddy Caleb. And um, if you don't know Caleb Pfeiffer, he's the guy who leads worship here, got long hair now, and uh, it's different every week, and I love it. (laughs) So, but he, he genuinely is, and I mean this, and I hope he knows this. He's one of my best friends in the entire world. I love the boy to death. We spend so much time. I started thinking about it this morning. I'm like, I spend more time with him than I do most people in my life. We, do, we work together every day. We don't kill each other, which is amazing. I think sometimes he wants to kill me, but because of the spirit of the Lord, he doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't punch me in the face most days. And, um, but I started thinking about him this morning, and I, and I talked to him about this before we started. And the thing about Caleb, I've known him for, I think, about five years now. He started out as our drummer. And I wasn't even sure at the time he was saved, but I was like, I'm not going <laughs> to ask because if I don't know, I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm like, he can play the drums. We don't have a drummer. Not sure if he's saved. He'll, he'll probably get saved along the way sometime. <laughs> and uh, so he started playing drums, and uh, we play, we've been playing, again, it's been probably five years or so now. But over the last year or so, and our staff, I think, would agree with this, over the last year or so, maybe even less, I've seen a change in his life. And uh, he, he's always, I, I'm joking, but he's always, since I've known him, he's loved the Lord. He's, he's followed the Lord. He's uh, he had a, always had a heart for the Lord. But, but over the last year or so, I've seen this change in his life. Even our conversations are different. Uh, there'll be a lot of mornings we'll come in, and he'll start telling me the way God is speaking in his life, and we'll spend 30 minutes of our work day, which we shouldn't, but we'll spend 30 minutes of our work day talking about what God spoke to him that morning. And, and we'll have these conversations, deep conversations. We both avoid showing any feelings or emotions in those conversations, but we have those conversations. As soon as that comes up, we're like, oh, I gotta get to work. <laughs> so uh, but seriously, we had these conversations. And and I've seen him, we, we write music together, and and this lasts for a little while. Every time we sit down to write. Every single time, it's just like so much content. Like He's like, hey, what about this song? What about this? I wrote this this morning. This is a whole song complete. I'm like, all right, cool. And it's just so much stuff coming out of him because God's speaking to him. And, and I've, I've seen him up here as he, as he speaks, and he's been speaking to our students. Complete transition from the speaker he was a year ago. And, and, and this last week, he spoke to our students. One of the most powerful messages he's ever spoke. And I see who he is as a worship leader. I see all these things. So I asked him this morning. I said, Caleb, What's the difference? I knew the answer, but I asked him anyway. And the difference is he just wakes up every single morning and he seeks the Lord. That's it. He said, man, it's just simple. Ain't always easy, but it's simple. And it's it's impacted his life so much that I notice it. That, that people see it in his life. The only thing he's changed in his life is he said, man, I'm going to get serious about God. I'm going to wake up every morning. He'll text me sometimes at 5, 30, or 6. I wait 30 minutes or an hour, text him back. Um, but, but he'll text me early, early in the morning about what God is speaking to him or a song idea or, or just, uh, hey, I listened to this, I heard this, check this out, because God is moving in his life and just simply... It's a choice. It's like my dad always says, it's not rocket science, right? It's not the most complicated thing on the planet. Is it always easy? No, but you make a choice to have God move in your life. And and scripture tells us that if you'll knock, the door will be open. If you'll seek, you'll find. If you go after God, you'll see God move. God promises that. It's easy. And just like Mary in Scripture, it's a choice. You, you choose what you focus on. You choose what you see. If you want to see God use you in life, you start going after him. God will start to use you. He promises that. He says, if you knock, the door will be open. I will start to speak to you. I will start to work in your life. I will start to use you. And the simple question is today, are you going to make that choice? Are you gonna wake up every day of your life and go after God and see him move? And if there is ever a time the world needs us to do that, it's now, right? Like people need us to be who God has called us to be as believers. We don't need to be like the Sadducees who are just passive and like, I just want enough to get to heaven. We need to be powerfully filled with the spirit of God being used by him in a crazy way. And God promises he will. So that's my message to you this morning. It's a choice. Will you choose to have God work in your life, move in your life. Will you open your eyes to what he is doing, fixing your eyes on the unseen, the eternal, the things that really matter in life? That's my heart this morning. Even as we pray here in a moment, I just want to pray just like Elisha prays that God will open our eyes. He will give us that hunger, that desire for him this morning. So pray with me. God, as we come before you, Lord, again, I thank you for your word today, God. I pray as a church family, God, that we will make the choice, the decision to see you move in our lives, God, that we will seek you, we will go after you, God, we will hunger for your word, God, we will dive into it, God, we will, as, as Mary did, God, we will just sit at your feet, God, wanting more and more of you in our lives. God, I pray you use us in a mighty way, God, I pray again, you speak to us, God, I pray you're glorified through all that we do, Lord, in your name, amen.